episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Loaded Sport. We are here yet again to go through what's been happening in the sporting world over the last week and also preview what is coming up this weekend and into next week as well. Before we start, just a reminder on where you can find us on the socials. If you want to watch our episodes, you just need to search for Loaded Sport on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. If you want the audio version of our episodes, you just go on Spotify, search Loaded Sport, make sure you hit the follow button. If you want to follow any of our social media pages, it is at Loaded Sport on Twitter and uh, TikTok. If you want to follow our Instagram page, it is at Loaded underscore Sport. And for Facebook, it is at Loaded Sport. Or just search for Loaded Sport and also Loaded Sport Community Forum to be a part of that too. Tonight, we've got plenty to be going through. You've you've done well there. Yeah, I nailed that. I nailed that first time ever. Maybe doing it at the start was the right move after all. Um, what we've got on the agenda tonight, lads, we're going to go through Arsenal going back-to-back weeks of leading 2-0 and throwing it away and drawing 2-2, and also the upcoming game against City at the Etihad next Wednesday, and uh, whether or not that will decide who takes the Premier League title. We're going to review the second leg of the Champions League quarterfinals and who we think will have the advantage as we move into the semifinals. We're also going to discuss the penultimate weekend in the National League and also preview the upcoming FA Cup semi-final weekend. As we move into Kempis Combat Corner, we're going to review Joyce versus Zhang from last weekend and also discuss the proposed mega card in Saudi Arabia in December. Also, we're going to go through night 11 and 12 of the Premier League darts before we close off the latest in NFL draft rumours, trade rumours and everything going off in the National Football League as we are now just under a week until we hit draft weekend. But first, as always, we are going to open with the listener lock-in. And joining us this week, we have got one of Aggie's friends, Steve. How are you, mate? Having a bad pal. Good. How Good to well? have you. Good. Now, we're going to start off with the question that we ask everyone, mate, just to enlighten us and enlighten our viewers and listeners. Who do you support and why? Um, uh, yeah, basically Sheffield uh, Sheffield Wednesday. So um, your, your friend uh, Kemp is not oh, going to be uh, too, too pleased with that, I don't think. But um, I mean, the reason why it's like probably like most most people. My dad my dad took me when I was like nine, um, and so you know I kind of I think I think it was Manchester United. I was I was really weird going to watch you know when we when he took me there. But um, I think Wednesday beat them, and then. They beat Man City as well when I went to watch them. So I just basically threw a paddy and said that I supported Wednesday anyway, kind of thing. And then from then on, I've I've, um, I've watched them uh, ever since. Um, and then when I got obviously got my, when I got my first job and my own uh, my own pay, you know, my own wages and that, I went like four years of watching them, you know, home and away, and even went to America to watch them in a preseason um, tournament type thing. So a proper fan that Kempi, can you respect that, or you're not gonna you're not gonna give him that scene as it is about Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't no matter who you support, I'll always respect that kind of uh, club respect all the all day. Preseason friendly with Wednesdays, yeah, in America's is big commitment. It's big commitment. So I, I take my hat to that, Steve. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you mentioned that I wouldn't be happy with it. 
You're kind of irrelevant to us now, mate, aren't you? Let's be honest. So, yeah, it is what it is. I don't know about, uh, don't know about you, Kempe, but I'm here still, uh, still waiting to be introduced. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Don't worry. I'd not forgot. I had forgot, and then I remembered, but I didn't want to just jump in. But uh, we have got a full house tonight. Kemp is, uh, has travelled very quickly from very far to get back tonight, mainly because you were on, Steve, and he has been very excited to go more in-depth on the, the wheels potentially falling off. But, Kemp, How's uh, how's the last couple of days been, mate? It's been quite busy. What's been happening in your world? Yeah, yeah, busy one last couple of days. I've nipped up to nipped up to Scotland, you know, just as as you do uh, to uh, to do a bit with work. I had a really really good day day night. Um, it's all a bit of a blur. Ten hours travelling in the past two days always takes its toll on you. So yeah, it was good. Train journey back was pretty decent, and uh, yeah, I've I've had a good day, a good evening, and but I'm uh, I'm glad to be home. And I'm glad to be joining you boys on Loaded Sport. But before I move it across to Sam or anybody else, Mr. Dawson, Mr. White, man with the mic. How are we doing, chaps? You all right? There we go. Good thing you. Oh, good. Oh, good. Also joining us, uh, Sam, still waiting on either that Under Armour sponsorship deal or a fantasy trade from Mudge, but it's way too early in the year for that. How are you doing, mate? Talk us through uh, what's happened to you in the last 24 hours in the... (laughs) The, the latest news in Sam's world and that injury Let, report. Yeah, latest news in the world of, of Sam is uh, obviously, as you know, we, we play five-a-sides on every Wednesday with the boys. Uh, it always gets to a bit of a spectacle. We're always buzzing for it. And then two minutes in, last night, I uh, felt a little bit of a snag on the back of my right my right ankle. And unfortunately, I did a... Fuck my tendons up, let's just say. And I got a bit of a acute tendonitis down the back of my right leg. So I've been nursing that for the last... That's 24 hours this year. Yeah, it's not been not been great, let's just say that. No, absolutely not. Keep your feet up, mate. Rest up, uh, ready to hopefully be back next week, mate. But uh, fortunately, you don't need your Achilles heel to uh, deliver the fire content that you do as part of this. So we shouldn't be... Depends when I put legs akimbo. <laughs> <laughs> Depends. That's usually later on in the show. And uh, last but certainly not least, he's back where he belongs. He is the man with the mic. He is the man that has put great effort into his background. Aggie has come home. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you. I uh, just want to say well done to you, lads. I was worried and had a bit of anxiety with me having a week off as just if there would be a loaded sport for me to come back to. But from uh, having listened and watched it, you've all done a cracking job. So uh, shout out to the three of you. Yeah, Appreciate mate. that, mate. Safe hands. Safe hands with us, boys. You, all, you know that. I tried my best to burn it to the ground, but uh, yeah, <laughs> these lads kept it afloat. But Steve, back to you, mate. We, we, you've mentioned Sheffield Wednesday there and... A few of the comments from Kemp over the last few weeks has been the the potential for the wheels falling off, as I mentioned earlier. Great fun from Sheffield Wednesday. They are still, as far as I'm aware, top of the table. But what are your thoughts on these? They're not anymore. Okay, my bad. What are your thoughts on their recent form and and the rest of this yeah, season? I, I think um, we've you know going 23 games unbeaten is in any level of football is pretty decent. But um, the fact that we're still only third. Um, it just shows you how ridiculous this League One campaign has been, and um, you know, who we, however, you know, Plymouth or, or Ipswich or or us, like or even Barnsley, not too far away. Um, any one of those four going, you know, any two of those four going up, really, uh, really deserve to go up. Um, we could still, we could still end up on ninety six points and still not go up, which is which just shows you how, how, you know, how good all these these sides have been. So. 
the wheels have technically fallen off, as as, uh, as 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 you say, right? We we had two games in hand, and we didn't we didn't kind of uh, capitalize on those. But we're a League One club with League One players, and um, that sort of that sort of thing that sort of thing happens, kind of kind of thing. Um, so I'm disappointed that we didn't that we didn't win those two games and make it really sort of. It wouldn't have been easy for us, but make it easier if you see what I mean. Um, but but even if we get into playoffs, we've had a I think we've, we've had a really good season, and uh, hopefully hopefully the, the, we can we can win those playoffs, and all you know all three of the top teams can go. Up. I have yeah, to, I, I do have to disagree with you on the. Uh, I think if you finish third, I don't think that's been been a good season for you boys. I'm a Derby fan myself, you see, yeah. so I've got eyes on that division quite a lot. Um, and for how, how long you've been up there, especially, I think that's the biggest kicker. And now the fact that everyone's got a game in hand against you. I mean, Ipswich, uh, the, the team at the minute, aren't they? I think they'll probably win the league myself. Um, Plymouth, a fair play to them. And, and you mentioned, obviously, you're uh, a League One club with League, league One players. But, mate, let's be fair. Plymouth haven't got half the budget your boys have got. And they're, they're playing absolutely unbelievably. Unbelievable. I went actually went to the game at Pride Park. Plymouth Derby were two and up at our time. We ended up losing three two. I've never seen a second half capitulation like that. But they, they played well, to be fair. And uh, I, I think to say they're league leaders with forty two games played, I don't think you can you can knock that at all, to be honest. And it's very similar to the discussions we've had about the national league over the last few weeks about you know there's only one automatic promotion spot, but there's more than one really good team, and that's very much the case, like you said there, Steve, about League One this season. Plymouth, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday have kind of rotated over the last, since the World Cup really, of, of who's in those top two spots and it, it's been a, a great race to watch but yeah, like you say, to finish on 90 odd points and, and not get an automatic promotion spot I'm sure will be uh, quite sore come the season end and, and teams in form like a Barnsley as well yes, you've got a bit of a gap on them at the moment but I'm sure you, you'll want to try and avoid them in the playoffs to give you the best chance of getting back up to the championship but you mentioned a team of League One players there. If you do get up to the championship, is that is that you settled for a bit, or do you think it might be a bit tough to maintain that position? Yeah, I think um, the days of um, when you know getting promoted and, and going and doing all right with the same with the same side for for any club are, um, are kind of are kind of gone. I mean, you, you look at you look at Forest have spent like 145 million and they they're, they're still absolutely nowhere. Um, whilst it's not not sort of nowhere, they, they probably will can can stay up still, sort of kind of thing. But I think ah uh, the shit, mate. I'll, Don't sugarcoat it. The shit. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of teams when they when they go when they get promoted, they end up having having to, you know, eventually replace all of the, or pretty much all of the all of the all of the squad. In sometimes you know sometimes immediately kind of thing. I think if we got promoted, I mean everyone everyone goes about Bannon, but. He's stayed and nobody's made, you know, made an offer kind of thing. He's supposed to be our, our, our you know, our unbelievable, unbelievable player. But no, no championship clubs have come in and said, is, you know, is a million quid, um, you know, and took him off. So I'm, I'm not, conv- I'm not convinced that he's as good as everyone makes out, but he probably, he is our best player, but he's not, um, he's not, he's not, you know, he's not a superstar in, in terms of, you know, English football kind of thing. So, I think if we went up, we would probably look at probably look at getting seven or eight new uh, new signings immediately. Um, but like I say, it's a big it's a big if um, we we do actually get promoted. 
Sorry, I'm just going to put in there. I, I was going to bring you in, mate, on. so go for it. Oh, there you go then. Perfect. Great minds think alike. You mentioned there, if you do get promoted, and again, I, I, I don't really mind as a Sheffield United fan whether you do or not. Although it would be nice if we were in the Premier League and you were in mm. League One, that would be nice. But um, but if you do get promoted, and, and like you say, you will need to add sort of seven or eight players to the mix... Do you think Chancery, with all the money that he's invested over the past few years to ultimately end up in League One, has he got the ambition? Has he got the? Has he still got the same fire to invest in the squad as he had back in the day? Because when he first came in, he threw the book at it, and then you lost in the playoff final, and then sort of since then you've you've, you've steadily f- fell away. So where do where does that ownership situation stand with Chancery? And do you think he'll invest? how he did before. Yeah, I, I think he's probably learned his lesson. And I think um the you know the financial fair play business kind of forced his hand into you know having to buy back the bias, you know, try and sort of not cook the books kind of thing, but try some sort of magic deal to 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 try and help us with with FFP kind of thing. Um and I think the um you know someone's badly advised him or somebody's Done something that they shouldn't have done by putting the um, the sale on the previous season's accounts, which is obviously why we got we got as um, points deducted. And I think trying to to it's not, it's not mates with Mel Morris, is he? By the chance, yeah. <laughs> trying to get <laughs> trying to, that'd be a weird, that'd yeah. be a weird pair to see down at Pub, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? Trying to get round um, FFP has really has really stuffed us, and I think he's probably learned his lesson. This time around, by not over, we didn't spend in January, and um, apparently, like Darren Moore said, that he wanted to, but he couldn't get the right deals done. So it kind of makes me think that he's not holding the purse strings because we still, obviously, we've still got a decent budget in this league. But is he is he learning? Is he not throwing money at um, you, you know at, at, at players in, in a bid to get promoted? Um, and if we did go up, um, you know, we, we, we've, you, you're only allowed to spend a certain amount of money um, to try and, to, you know, to try and get uh, established kind of thing. So I think, I think he's probably learned his lesson. And he's also, uh, somebody's actually told him, probably told him about the uh, ticket prices and all that kind of stuff. Because when he first came in, it absolutely went through the roof and uh, everyone kicked off about it. But it is, it is at least reasonable now. So somebody, somebody, either he's learned or there's somebody there telling him that he's actually in Sheffield and not in the middle of, you know, Soho or, or wherever, where everybody's got a lot of money. So I think, I think if we, like, if, obviously keep saying if we get promoted, but I think he has learned what he's, um, you know what he's what he's supposed to be doing, kind of thing, um, and of course then we struggle with the teams that come down from the Premier League with the parachute payments and and all that kind of stuff. So you're probably looking at a, a play, you know even a first first season stay up and then second second and third and maybe second build for the second and third season to just scrape playoffs and uh, anything can happen then. Before you get to that. Yeah. So before we get to that, I've got a, I've got a question, and it demands a one-word answer. If you finish in the playoffs this season in League One, do you win them and do you go up? Yes. Ooh, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to stay positive, haven't I? Um, this is the question that I was going to ask, which was and on heart. Do you want the one-word answer? But the the the, the, um, the answer is probably is the the form team that always goes up. I mean, last time we won the play, we were in the playoffs in this division in 2005. We finished fifth, I think. 
and beat Hartlepool. Um, uh, you know, and the, the the form on the way into that that league play, the league one playoff thing was terrible. Um, so, is it is it the form team or is it just just on the day? You know how how it, how it goes. Um, I think I think if you finish third, if if we finish third on ninety six points and don't go up, that's going to be soul destroying for a lot of yeah. them. So, I'm saying yes because I think we're good enough and I think you know we're as we've got as good a chance as any. But if you know if if we don't go up, then is it is it the form team or is it is it just going to be soul destroying and not going up? I, I really don't. I really, obviously that's a long winded answer, but um, that's what I've got. Time will tell. We've just yeah. three games left to go for Sheffield Wednesday and the three teams around you with four left to play, but uh, just a few weeks left in the season. Um, it won't be long until you find out. But uh, let's move on, lads, to the reason why we're here, and that is the listener lock-in. Steve, we sent over the stuff that we need from you earlier this yeah. week, and as the listener, you do get first pick. So we're going to start with the lock, mate, and it does include the FA Cup this weekend, but... That has to be, obviously, within 90 minutes. Which team are you most confident will get a win from the selected leagues between Friday and Monday? Um, yeah, I've had a look at the uh, the Premier League fixtures. I've, I've, I've sort of not bothered with the with the FA Cup, but the um, the one that does jump out, I mean, all the Premier League fixtures look like each side playing each other in and around the divisions, but the one that actually does jump out at me is the Arsenal-Southampton one. Yeah, Friday um, so night. I'm going to go for Arsenal with that one, with, with it being top playing, playing, playing the bottom side. Yeah, that makes complete my, sense. My, my first choice lock that was. Same. Yeah, well, there we go. So you two lads are going to have to go with a backup. Which one is first? And I have spun the wheel as always, and I'm happy to announce that for the third week in a row, is Sam came up. God, that wheel, that wheel's loving me at the minute. Uh, torn between two backups then. Uh, I'm going to go for the scum to be the scum at home at Anfield. <laughs> oh, <that's my laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool to beat Forest at home. Now, I don't particularly put any trust in Liverpool this season, don't get me wrong, but Forest have been that bad away from home. Going to Anfield, I, I can't really hold much uh, much hope out for them here. So I am going to back yeah, Liverpool to beat, uh, beat Forest. That's a very fair, popular choice this week in the last man standing. So, Aggie, your first choice is gone, your second choice is gone, and unfortunately, Kemp may take your third choice as he is up next. Kemp, who are you taking? So, this is what you call a no-lose situation, this one. So, <laughs> is it if, Sheff- if Sheffield United win, we're going to the FA Cup final. If Manchester <laughs> City win, I'll get my lot right. Manchester okay. City in 90 minutes to beat Sheffield United at Wembley. Yeah, well, we'll not go too, in, too much into it now because we've got that all to come later in the show, but uh, it seems on paper like uh, the fairest of picks. And City so, are 1-9 on. Yeah. Sheffield United at 18-1. to one. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find a bigger gap in the odds this weekend across the uh, eligible league. So, uh, Aggie, I'm next, mate. <laughs> I thought I'd get that in quick just before you said your team. Now, I have got three left. It's uh, I, I picked four and only Liverpool of who I had uh, have been taken so far. So I've got my uh, I've got my backups and I'm actually going to move away from the team that I thought I was going to pick. And I'm going to take Barnsley to win at home against Oxford United. They're in absolutely phenomenal form, especially at home. Oxford aren't a, a 
they're drawing a lot, but they're not winning at all. And I think the difference and with the with the incentive that Barnsley have got to push for a win, I've, I've got to take them this weekend. So Aggie, you've got the scraps, mate, but there are plenty of games that you can go for. Who are you taking as the final lock for this weekend? No, I'm all good. My first two did get taken, which means I'm going to fall to Burnley to beat QPR. Burnley, of course, winning the championship, and I believe with a win can be champions. Is that right, Camp? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and QPR are just outside of relegation, so I'm going to go with Burnley at home to QPR to get the win. Interesting that they're already promoted. Do they take the foot off the gas a little bit? Who knows? But uh, a Burnley little bit were, of a pulp. Burnley were my backup, and the reason that the reason that I think Ag is spot on in what he says is that since Gareth Ainsworth has has taken charge of QPR, and even before that, to be fair, they've been absolutely pitiful. So even if Burnley do take the foot off the gas, I agree that, that they'll still win at half speed against QPR at the minute. They've been really rubbish. Good That's pick, fair. Thank you. Well, the good news is, Aggie, that does mean that you're up first for the scorers, but that um, doesn't mean that Steve might take uh, your pick first. So, Steve, scorer, same leagues, same days. Which player are you most confident will bag this weekend? Um, I'm I'm trying to stay, stay clear of the obvious uh, the obvious Harland and the Harry Kane one. So um, I'm going to actually go with Ollie Watkins. Um, you know he's scored a few uh, recently, and uh, I think Villa are away at away at Brentford. Yeah. Um, I just think the way that the Unai Emery's got them playing, and um, you know Watkins off the back of a hat trick and scoring loads. Um, you know, in successive games, I think that uh, yeah, I'm confident they'll they'll get one this weekend. Is Brentford his old team as well? Yes. Yeah. So that goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. Cheers. Aggie's crying because you took his uh, his new favourite Ollie Watkins, who to be fair has paid off quite well. But Aggie, like I said, you are up first. Who are you taking? Mate, it's funny you should say that. Uh, Steve's taken my favourite pick because I think I'm about to take your favourite pick, and that is Macaulay Langstaff away against bottom of the National League, Maidstone United. I've got two picks and he was neither of them. So I am all good, mate. And I'm quite surprised that you didn't go through. I had uh, lined up first, but uh, again, Langstaff, very much like a Harlan, speaks for himself, doesn't he? And Notts County were one of my picks for the lot this weekend. So that's fair. Should should win. Um, I, I did have two. I, I'm just going to put it out there. I did have Alfie May as my backup for Cheltenham. He's in fantastic form at the moment, but... I'm going to have to go for my uh, top pick, and that is Gabriel Jesus to score you for Arsenal. Prick. <laughs> so <laughs> Arsenal uh, on Friday night against Southampton. His return from injury is in very good form. I think he scored in his last three games, so he's not really. Oh, he scored four in his last three, should I say? Um, so he's he's right back on it, and I think Arsenal have got to really go out and get a convincing win to get a bit of confidence ready for that game at the Etihad on Wednesday. So sorry, Sam. Yeah, good pick, good pick. So I think very good pick. Kempi? Yeah, so I've, three of my scorers are still on the board, all three of them who I picked. Um, there's an obvious big six foot seven, it seems, elephant in the room with long, beautiful, blonde, luscious locks. Um, but I, I'm not sure on whether they're actually going to play him against lowly Sheffield United. So... Um, I was stuck between two, but I'm going to go with Mo Salah. Um, That's Nottingham my last pick. Forest. Nottingham Forest are absolutely pitiful away from home. Um, and Liverpool just recently have been banging him in for fun. So Mo Salah is my pick for the scorer this week. 
Most don't think I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, I've never Salah. read it said like that. But Sam, Mo, I can Mo only Salah. Go. Mo Salah, yeah. sorry. So yeah, let yeah. me be on record that Gabriel Jesus was my number one and Mo Salah was my number two. So I tried to come away from Haaland and Haaland just but, comes to me. You know what I mean? But, so I'm going to de- resort to default and I'm picking Erlen Haaland to score about seven against Jeff United. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not possible because some fella from Sheffield's bringing it back or his boot. <laughs> That's not possible. Yeah, yeah I'm, go- I'm going Ireland again. He's not the one we need to explain on loaded sport. Um, I did try and come away from him, but you boys took my my, my two picks, so it just it, it's it's um it's in the universe, isn't it? So yeah, let's, let's yeah, ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. So on to the wild cards, Steve. As always, you go first. The only caveat being that they cannot be the bookies' favourite in their matchup. So, are you going to be going for a big FA Cup shot, or are you going to go to um, one of the leagues for yeah, your wild card? Yeah, I, I um, I'm not sure whether if I've understood the uh, the wild card business. Uh, yeah, but I, I wonder if um, if you're all right with me picking Brighton. Um, yeah, Brighton is a, an eligible pick, mate. Yeah. They are United are the favourites, so. Um, so I like, like I say, I've looked at all the other um, the other Premier League fixtures, and they're kind of hard to hard to pick a, an actual. You know, it, obviously the bookies are going to pick one one or the other, but um, I think that one, I think Brian is still is still classed as the underdog in that one. So I'm going to yeah, I'm going to pick Brian for that one. I am just very quickly going to interrupt you and possibly make you scramble, but probably for the first time in history, Brighton are actually the favourites as it stands on three six five. Wow. to win the game. They are 6-4 to four with Man United at 7-4. to four. Um, wow. So, unfortunately, they are not an eligible pick. Um, so, again, as long as they are not the bookies' favourites, you can take them. But, um, yeah, you're going to have to find someone else for right. it to be an eligible um, entry. That's... Um, what about Bournemouth? Bournemouth, I think, are at home to West Ham. And I think when I looked at it before, West Ham were favourites in that one. So Let's have a look. It's very tight, but I think you're right. I do think Bournemouth are going to be an eligible pick on Sunday. So, uh, I'll Bournemouth, go with those, those guys then. Let's have a look and confirm. Bournemouth currently 7-4. to four. West Ham are currently 8-5. to five. So it is, as we say, a razor thin, but Bournemouth right. are eligible. Why? Uh, what's made you go for them? Big relegation battle. Um, yeah. Um, but, but I, I don't know. To be fair, I, I looked at it and I thought Bournemouth have actually, um, you know, their form. They, they've actually won their last two, and uh, West Ham appeared to be a bit erratic. Um, and I, I actually wondered why West Ham would be. Um, oh, have I got that? Yeah. Why? Uh, why? Why West Ham would be the favourites in that game? Going, you know, going to um, away to Bournemouth. So um, I just basically picked that one just because I couldn't pick Brighton at that, at that time. Um, and I've and I've actually got them in football manager as well, so I've been looking at the players and all that kind of stuff on there. So uh, I'm into Bournemouth at the minute. I like it. I like it very much. Um, Sam, you're first up for the wild card, mate. Who's your first choice? Yeah, now we're really, I've really struggled with this pick this week for some reason. I, I didn't, there didn't seem to be any clear favourites. I think well, not so much opposite of favourites, but you know, a real underdog that you, you could quite fancy winning. I don't think there's many this week. Uh, for that reason, I've scrambled into League One and I have gone with Lincoln City away at Wickham. Um, Lincoln City, unbeaten in the last five, won three out of the last four. Uh, Wickham, uh, last four games, won two, lost two. So, you know, it's a bit of a flip of a coin there. So I'm going to back Lincoln City away at Wickham. 
Why not? Kempi, the the man that is the absolute revelation in the wild cards, and I have realised we've not revealed, we did reveal it on the forum, but Michael got one um, correct answer last week, which was uh, quite devastating for him. It was the... Uh, oh, sorry, he got two right, should I say. Um, but he got, I think, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not leading, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah. He got one right. He got Man City as his lock. So, uh, yeah, it, it's tough out there. But Kemp, the wildcard maestro, um, Sam took your pick last week and we said then that surely it's going to be a winner then. And it was. But uh, who's the team's back this weekend? Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Oh, they were my yeah. top pick. Yeah, Aston Villa are away at Brentford. Villa are on an absolute roll at the minute. That They are pushing albeit late for, for a potential European spot. Uh, Unai Emery's got them playing really well. Ollie Watkins is on fire and they're looking pretty good. So I've got Aston Villa as my wild card for this week. That's fair, mate. Do not blame me at all. Like I said, they were my top pick. Um, so, yeah, I can't argue with you there. Now, I am just doing a very quick check because when I did my uh, prep... Quick VAR check. Quick VAR check because my backup were eligible earlier but the odds have since changed I have just checked and there is 50p in it on a £5 stake so again it's razor thin but Aggie that's it I'm going to your level mate and I'm going to take Halifax to win away at Dagenham and Redbridge Uh, Dagenham not in great form (laughs) pretty much Halifax in great form they've won five out of the last six games drawing the other one so I think that's a, a pretty fair shout as a wild card this weekend Aggie, that leaves you, mate. Sam said he struggled. There's nothing that really stood out. Aston Villa, I think, would have been up there for you based on your love of Ollie Watkins and the form that Villa have been in. But who are you taking this weekend? I did consider Villa. And I've also, I don't know if it's changed, because you said some of the odds have changed. I did have Spurs to win away against Newcastle. But when we were online the other day, I made the promise to Kemp. I'm going to stand by it. The Blades to beat City. Oh, for fuck's sake. Look at fucking Kempe. Shame he's got so, on mute, but he's going fucking nuts. Fucking right Aggie! No, I'm just going to say anything. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Aggie! I'm going to say so, Aggie! See, the I thing is, love it. The, thing, the thinking behind it is City play Arsenal in what could be a title decider on Wednesday. I don't think they're going to put out a, a completely strong side. Do you not? No. Not to oh. go forget. They've got Arsenal on Wednesday. I can't I see them putting it. a very strong side out. I Two days away, Aggie's got me fired up. I'm about to go and start fucking licking my tickets. Come on, Aggie, let's fucking go. Come on! So, just to confirm, Aggie, you mentioned uh, Tottenham away at Newcastle, which is an eligible wildcard pick, but you are locking in Sheffield United to win at Wembley yeah, against Manchester City. Correct. As your wildcard within 90 minutes. Correct. Jeez, Louise. <sighs> Lock it in. Doosh, doosh. Right. Take it um, to the bank. And end it there, shall we? Um, so, Steve, we've got your luck, we've got your scorer, we've got your wild card, and as always, we're now going to give you three games in which we need a score prediction from you for. Now, we are going to focus on League One and that big race for automatic promotion. And as always, start with the team that our guest supports. Sheffield Wednesday versus Exeter, Saturday, 3 o'clock. What is your score prediction? Um, I'm gonna, I've got to go for a 2-1 win. To uh, to Wednesday, we uh, we score goals, but we let we let some in as well. So um, yeah, Exeter in torrid form at the moment. I did consider Sheffield Wednesday form a lot, to be honest. So if you're not if you don't win on Saturday, you don't deserve that automatic spot. I'm sure you'll agree there. 
Uh, moving on to the current top of the table, Plymouth. They are uh, at home against Cambridge. Absolutely phenomenal home form all season. They are top of the home league table. What's your score prediction there? Yeah, I think unfortunately Plymouth are uh, Plymouth are going to take that one. I think, and I, I think they might even they might even you know hammer Cambridge because we've hammered Cambridge and I think quite a few other teams as well. So I think I think Plymouth will win that three 0 Three 0 very comfortable then. Uh, last but not least, the form team in League One as it stands, but they are away this weekend at a pretty decent in form yeah. themselves, Peterborough. Peterborough versus Ipswich. What's your final score prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go one uh, one for that one. I agree. Ooh. Oh, I agree. I think that's, it's a it's a game to look out for in that one. I, I didn't realise when I was flicking through fixtures earlier that it was that game this week in the football last year. Might have to might have to tune in to watch that. Yeah, definitely should be a, should be a good one. So just to confirm your entries, then Steve, you've got Arsenal as your lock on Friday night at home to Southampton. Yeah. You've got Ollie Watkins continue his fine scoring form and scoring away at Brentford. You've got Bournemouth to win against West Ham on Sunday. And then you've got Sheffield Wednesday to beat Exeter 2-1, Plymouth to beat Cambridge 3-0, and Peterborough and Ipswich to fight out a 1-1 draw. So uh, good luck to you, mate. Three is the score to beat. It's uh, it's it's there with by two people, Paul and Chris. Um, maybe you can get there. Maybe you can even beat it and become the outright leader as we approach the end of the season. But um, we will close off with the same question that we ask every one of our guests, and that is, who is your sporting hero? And why? Um, this one will um, seem a bit strange, but um, it's Gilles Villeneuve and the uh, ex-sport, you know, Ferrari Formula One driver. But um, the reason being, I mean, he, he kind of he died when I was nine months old, so it kind of sounds a bit strange. But um, I've read, I've read the best book I've ever read was was about him by um, a Canadian um, author, Gerald Donaldson, and. Um, he sound, you know, every every time you hear people, this he sounds like he was like a, a fan made good. If you see what I mean, he was a he wasn't a professional professional racing driver. He just loved he just loved speed, and he was absolutely, um, you know, he was he, he was right there with his uh, with his views and everything, and kind of th- doing things right. And um, if things went wrong, he actually you know said said about it and spoke out about it. But everyone absolutely loves him, and. Um, if you ever get if you ever get the chance, watch the um, it, they call it the Dijon Jewel, which is like the last um, the, the last lap of the nineteen seventy nine French Grand Prix, and they they race him for second, and he's basically um, basically him and his friend Reni Arnoux actually going hammer and tongs for for like one for one lap, you know, overtaking each other five five and six times in one lap, and he's he just kind of. A racer that I would have quite, kind of liked to have uh, to have seen, rather than all these um, professional ones that are ro- you know robotic in front of cameras and this, that, and the other. Who's just like somebody that are actually um, you know give it his all and and you know, a bit of personality about camera. Yeah, I'm not surprised, mate. If you love speed, you could get away with it back then, couldn't you? But you can't yeah. uh, drug testing and all that these days. You can't get away with that. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he he kind of. Um, he used to like just time himself going down to shops in his car to just try and beat it, beat his old, uh, beat his old time. Um, every every time he went, obviously that were in the days of uh, no no speed limits and no uh, no no cop, no 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 police officers on the other side of the uh, every you know speed cameras and that. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So it's uh, so it's him, and he's the uh, he's the father of Jacques Villeneuve, who I was watching when I first um, kind of 
kind of got into Formula One kind of thing. So it was kind of like a nice little link. But yeah, he was um, someone I would have kind of liked to have uh, to have seen. And um, the the book is that good. The, the describes every gear change and all that kind of stuff. So it's like you're actually you're actually there watching him. So uh, so yeah, that one. Mark, Good answer, that, a, quite yeah. different. It's a different one into from uh, just the person that plays for the football club they support. I, might, I thought he might have gone for like Pavel Cernicek or something, but uh, maybe not on this occasion. Yeah. Uh, but pleasure having you on, mate. We yeah, will no discuss your, your results next week, mate. Uh, good luck to Sheffield Wednesday. I'm sure Kemp won't agree with that, but uh, <laughs> if 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 they do bottle it and fail it, fail to go up. I'm sure he won't mind you guys getting promoted so you can meet twice next season. But uh, pleasure having you on, mate, and uh, we'll speak right. soon. Right. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. Right. Steve. Thanks, See mate. Bye. Later. Bye. Right then, lads. It's time to get stuck into the Premier League weekend. Arsenal, two weeks in a row, 2-0 leads, early doors, and both weeks have thrown it away and drawn 2-2. So, Sam, I'm going to come to you first. They face, as we've mentioned already, Southampton at the weekend, or Friday night, should I say, bottom of the table, Southampton. (laughs) (laughs) Bottom of the table, Southampton. They've got to win this game, surely, and really set the stall out, ready to go to Manchester on Wednesday night. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? This is crunch time. Last uh, handful of games in the the Premier League, I'm going to get on the 31 played already. Yeah, it's um, the final stretch. These are the sort of games your bread and butter, Southampton, you've got to go in. It's got to be an automatic three points. Anything anything less is just an, abs- an abject failure. Um, I must admit, my my stance has changed over the last week in regards to the Premier League title. This is kind of breaking. Hang on, I'm just pulling a chair over. Yeah, come on, come on. (laughs) Bring your chair in, pal. Get kettle on. Yeah, breaking news on on Loaded Sport is I have finally caved. And this this last week, uh, my uh, confidence has been shaken to the core on Arsenal. Back-to-back, as Dawson mentioned earlier, back-to-back two-goal leads, back-to-back weeks, both coming out with a point. It's not good enough in a title challenge. And I think now is the time. City have just got that robotic bit, you know, a mindset on Ed Dan, be back to business. They've been here before, and it's looking like Kempi could well have been right from the start. And it, I think I will. I think he'll at first admit it's taken. It's it's gone on longer than he thought they would. I think they, he thought this drop off would have happened a bit earlier. Obviously, said come back in March and talk to him. We have done that, and March has come and. And they're still there, but now we're in back end of April, and it looks like it's April's been the month really. What's what's been the telling one for Arsenal? And I think this is, I think it's it's now to lose, don't you? Yeah, but it, it, well, I don't want to say I'm moving the chair back because again, they should win Friday if they can get a point in Manchester on Wednesday. I think that will really set the tide and and get them back to where they need to be confidence wise. But Aggie, I'm going to come over to you because you have probably been the single biggest supporter of yep. Arsenal. Um, you know, you you bigged up the sign of Jesus. He's missed a lot of the season. I've backed him this week because he has come back and he is in form. Is there a little bit of a nudge on your chair? Are you still firmly in the Arsenal camp and they're going to win the league this season? I'm staying in the Arsenal camp for now, but there is a little bit of a nudge and a little bit of a worry. Like Sam's just said, you can't throw away two goal leads and only walk away with a point against them sort of sides. You need to make sure that you're finishing the job. And away against Liverpool, I think it was just 
common senses don't rile the Anfield crowd up. And the first thing Xhaka, who's supposed to be a leader of that side, does is riles them up. And at that point, you're kind of losing the game a little bit yourself. It gives Liverpool that extra gear that they needed and they managed to get something out of the game. And then, was it was it West Ham? West Ham, yeah. West Ham, yeah. West Ham, yeah. West Ham yeah. 2-0 up yeah. against West Ham. There's absolutely no reason why you should be throwing a two-goal lead away against no. a struggling Saka West Ham side. missing a penalty. Saka missing a penalty as well. That's going to affect his confidence a little bit. I think Wednesday will, of course, say it all, won't it? Arsenal win, you stand by it and say Arsenal are going to win the Premier League, City win it. I can't see Arsenal coming back from it. I think that's going to be City's to lose at that point. But I think you're going to Manchester, like Sam's just said, and take a point. From Arsenal, you don't set up that way, though. You can't set up to take a point against Manchester City because at that point, Pep will just adjust and he'll be able to put your team to the sword and City will win. But that's another reason why I feel that City won't put out a full strong, fully strength side on Saturday. But it's still going to be quite a strong side, if that makes sense. They've got such strong depth in that side that Arsenal are lacking. And when Jesus went out, he's, he's come back now and they've not quite got back to that sort of form that they had before he went out injured, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's going to let them down. They, just, they need a little bit more in-depth. And the signing of just Trossard obviously isn't enough. But I, I, I'm going to stay with Arsenal at the moment. But I am starting to uh, lean more towards City. But even if I do change to City before the season's over, I'll honour the bet that I had with Kemp and I'll still pay him the £20, of course. Of course, mate, of course. And uh, I suppose when we do record next week, Arsenal will have played City in that game that we spoke about four months. But before that, Kemp, and um, we'll get into the weekend in more detail. There are going to be a lot of Arsenal fans this weekend praying that yours boys do a bit of a rough job on them and, and weaken them for Wednesday. You've been the City man. I was on City's side with you at the start of the season, moved over to Arsenal uh, around sort of the end of the World Cup. Everything you've said, I don't think any of us disagreed with in terms of City's approach to it and all that kind of stuff. But it does now look over this last month or so that Sam mentioned there what you said has, has now become reality. Is it just a case of City win on Wednesday and it's over because of, of that matchup? Or is there something that Arsenal can do outside of that game next week to still win the league? Or do they have to go to Manchester and get a result? Um, I think it's a difficult one. That's a very good question. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure I know the answer. Um, I don't think it matters what Arsenal do. And I don't think, I think that's been the case for ever since we've been talking about this title race. Um, they've not got the experience. They've not got the experienced heads. They've not been here before um, for, well, for a long, long time. None of these players have been here before, basically, apart from Zinchenko, maybe, um, and Gabriel Jesus. But it's, it's one of them where they just, they've not got the mentality for it. They, they, they bottled it last year um, when it came to getting into the top four. Um, and ultimately, I couldn't see past that when it came to this season. If this was Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool in this position rather than Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, I would be a lot less convinced at the time that it was going to be City that, that did the job. But uh, yeah, um, I'm not surprised that it's happening. Again, like Sam said, I thought it would happen a little bit earlier than it probably has. Um, and there were a few times when Arsenal got results and City sort of wavered and I thought, Ooh, you know, there was one week I remember saying, well, do, I, do I move that chair across? You know, I, I'd never admit it, but that did go through my head briefly. But uh, no, I, I do think no matter what Arsenal do now, I think it's pretty much City's. Um, they're in form. He's got his 11 now. He knows what he's doing. He knows what system he's playing. He knows what players he's playing. They're all fit. He's got a massive squad. The mentality monsters, all a lot of them. So uh, 
yeah, I don't think anything that Arsenal do can stop the irresistible force of City winning their third Premier League title in a row, unfortunately for them. But you know what? Arsenal need to come away from it and it's been a fantastic season for them. Um, and they'll take this away as experience, build on this young squad that they've got, come again next year um, and, and give it another go. And, uh, and regardless of what happens, Arsenal have, have had a fantastic season, you know, regardless of the, of the outcome. Just on that just on that subject where you mentioned there, Arsenal have had a fantastic season regardless. I see him... <clears throat> Roy Keane and Gary Neville had a bit of a disagreement last week on Sky. Neville said that. He says, obviously, he doesn't think... I think he said from start on today, he thinks City will do it. He's essentially had the same opinion as you. Um, and he said, look, he says Arsenal have to, have to take away massive positives from this season and it's been a successful season whether they win it or not. And Keane massively disagreed with him. He said they can't lead the season for the, pretty much the entirety of it. And then not win it and class it as a successful season. He said that's not the all-mark of champions. That's not I breed winners, essentially. And how how do you... What's your take on that? So they're both right, in a way. I think I think they're, they're making two points. And I think they're, they're, they're making two different points there. I think Gary Neville's looking at it in the same aspect that I've been looking at and, and in the sense that if you'd have offered Arsenal second place with God knows how many points at the start of the season, they'd absolutely snatch your hand off. Top four that it's snatched around off at the start of the season because Arteta had a bit of a dodgy one last season. So nobody mm. saw this coming at, at all. So if you look at it in that respect, they've had a good season, no question. But Roy is also right in the sense that, you know, th- th- they've led for so long, pretty much since the start of the season. And now they're coming to the tail end of it and they've bottled it again and and and, and they, they come away. Is it a bottle job? Is it a bottle job? Yeah, of course it is. You've got to say it is. You what know, was it, 11 uh, points clear at one point? At one point, they were 11 there points clear. It's like, you know, yeah. you can't say that giving it away from that point is not a bottle job. It is a bottle job. And yeah. and it's it's upset me and it's annoyed me. And that's why I like what we do, because we're true football fans. We're true sports fans. And we give our opinion and we don't give a shit because we don't have sponsors. We don't have anybody that we're trying to impress. And we've not got relationships with football clubs that we're trying to build. We're speaking from the heart. But I've heard a lot of pundits say, no, it's unfair to call it bottling. It's unfair to call Arsenal bottle jobs. No, it's fucking not. That's what yeah. it is. They've bottled it. But at the same time, if you'd have offered them this at the start of the season, they just snatched your hand off. Yeah. So it's still been a good season for them, in my opinion, no matter what. It's not the hallmark of champions. Roy Keane's right. But ultimately, they're not champions. And I never thought they would be. So, again, I'll respond to that by saying I'm not surprised. Fair enough. Well, this time next week, when we are back here again recording, lads, a lot of things will have changed. Arsenal, as I say, would have played bottom of the table and also that huge game Wednesday night uh, against Man City. And I can't wait to talk about it because all four of our opinions could change by the time we get together next week. But on to what's been happening this week. Speaking of Man City, they have secured their place in the Champions League semi-final. Another competition that they are raring and really going for the win, drawing 1-1 away in Munich to secure a 4-1 aggregate win. Joining Real Madrid, who beat Chelsea, AC Milan, who beat Napoli, and Inter Milan, who beat Benfica, to complete the four teams that will be in this year's semi-finals. Aggie, you went here last week to discuss the first legs, and we were talking about the fact, you know, Pep... His main focus has been the Champions League. It's what City wanted. It's, it, it really secures what they've built and what they've done over the last few years. It's the one last missing piece. It's the last stone in the uh, fucking thing, gauntlet, uh, that they are chasing. Is this City's year? I think 
it depends on who they get in the semi-final. I think if they don't get Real Madrid until the final, yes, I think it is. I think they can get that momentum through the Sorry semi-final. to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. Sorry to interrupt you. I believe, and I might be wrong, I, I know what you're going to say. The Champions League has already been drawn for the semi-final. That no, no, is correct. Yeah. It's, right. it's Man City against Real Madrid in the semi-final. Yeah, and it's Milan derby for the uh, other semi-final. Well, so knowing that, knowing that, does that change your opinion on if, if this is City's year? I think whoever wins that game wins the Champions League. I don't think AC or Inter have enough for either of those sides. I think the momentum they'll have from beating Bayern Munich so convincingly, I think will certainly do them a big big favour. Real Madrid, I don't think we really got to see enough of them against Chelsea because they were poor and they have been poor since before Frank Lampard took over. He's come back in and he's not really done anything to, to change that sort of momentum within Chelsea. I'm going to say yes, I think they can. The only thing that will let them down is the fact that they're also chasing the Premier League and they're also chasing the FA Cup and it's extremely difficult to do the treble. Guardiola will play that down as much as he can but on paper they, they're expected to beat Sheffield United on paper, they're expected to win the Premier League now. It's just trying to upset that sort of rhythm that they've had in the past years of, of falling at the final hurdle of the Champions League, isn't it? And I think if behind closed doors, Guardiola's saying to himself that he wants the Champions League, even at the cost of the Premier League, I think in his own mind, that that's kind of where his head's looking to say that he's won it all with them. Yeah, definitely. And Sam, I'm going to come to you for this next question. Kemp is said a lot about Arsenal's lack of experience to get over the line in the Premier League and that, that for him is probably the biggest advantage that City have got. City now have to play two games against Real Madrid. City haven't got the experience in terms of getting over the line in the Champions League. It's becoming a bit of a, a thing for them and they're facing the team that has the experience in getting over the line. So applying that logic, can you see City getting past Real Madrid or a Real Madrid just too strong the right competition, the right format, and it'll be them in the final yet again. No, no, I don't, I don't, definitely don't think it's as, um, you know, and, and I can't think of the term. Um, a foregone conclusion, as you say, is what you've made out there. I think City are going to give Real Madrid as good as they've got. I think um, this is probably the best City team as they've been. I know that the Centurions are up there, obviously, but in terms of now they've got that Haaland, they've got that spearhead up front, um, I think, Man for man, I, I dare say they've almost got a better team than Madrid potentially. Um, so I, I think this is as good a year as any that if, if City were going to do Madrid over over a two legged uh, two legged race, I think this could be the year. Um, I think I make them slight favourites, really, just the fact that they've got Haaland. So yeah, I I, I, uh, I do fancy them to beat Madrid myself. That's fair. And I do have a question for Kemp, but I think it will lean more into uh, weekend's proceedings as opposed to what's happened so far this week and what will be happening uh, in the middle of next week. So I'll save that and we'll move to the National League where this weekend, it is the penultimate weekend and Wrexham have the chance to crown themselves champions. They're currently four points ahead of Knox County here in second and Wrexham play Boreham Wood at home at half past six on Saturday evening. So, Aggie, let's assume because of Wrexham's phenomenal home form this season, which has been mentioned a lot, mainly by you, Sam, and how well they've done, let's assume that they secure promotion and that championship this Saturday. Is it a foregone conclusion that Notts County then go on to win the, the playoffs and, and join them? Or do you think a team like your Chestfield, who are, are back in form, have been fantastic over this last game and 20 minutes, 
Um, you know, to come back against Eastley last weekend and win 3-2 with a 95th minute winner, absolutely destroyed Torquay and play them off the park, who were the form team in the league before that game. Can you see a team like them or Awoken or any one of the playoff teams getting that second promotion spot or because of the lead that Notts County have got over the rest, it's going to be them that makes the uh, makes the promotion with Wrexham. No, and I'm going to use your favourite saying of any given Sunday to kind of describe this. I think when you get as many points as Notts County have, you, they're both on like 103, 107 respectively, like you've just said, but you don't get promoted automatically and you've still got more work to do. You've got to think of what that's going to do to their mentality and that they're going to be disappointed at the fact that they've missed out and they've got more to kind of do. And I think that's going to play a part. With it being any given Sunday, I fancy our chances if we take take them to Wembley, if we get them in Wembley. Obviously, it's not set that we're going to be in third place yet, so we could still get them in the semi-final, which I'm hoping to avoid. But a big game at Wembley, I think, if we play like we did against Torquay, yeah. I don't see why we can't beat any team in that league if we play like we did against Torquay. When we went up against Wrexham before, we played them off the park at our place. Um, at their place, it was a bit of a tougher game. Woking, from what I've seen from them on both occasions, they've not been good enough. Um, we, we should have easily beaten them at our place. We just kind of gifted them some easy goals. Barnet haven't been anything special. Burham Wood, Bromley, Eastley, I've not seen anything from any of those sides that really shouts out to me that they could go and, and, and do a job. So I think it will be between us and Notts County at Wembley. I'm confident that if we do get to third place and we keep third place, we will go to Wembley and we'll go on against Notts County. Um, and I think based upon the fact that they're going to miss out, despite having such an incredible record, so many points behind them, I think it's going to affect their mentals a little bit more, and that's where they're going to struggle. So no, I don't think it, to answer your question shortly, no, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that County win it. I dare say, and I said this for the last couple of weeks to a month, before Wrexham and Notts County started switching places so much, the side that doesn't go up automatically between those two will not go up this season. It's an interesting claim, mate, which only leads into the fact that I'm sure you are hoping and dreaming that Chesterfield are the ones that snatch that spot. They are getting back into form at the right time. They are away this weekend and with the right results can secure that third third place home advantage in the playoffs up until the final and more importantly, that first round bye. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very sure that you're hoping that happens this weekend, but we will see when we are back next week. So I suppose the main event of the weekend is the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, Manchester United play Brighton on Sunday, which I'll be honest, given what's happening in Seville at the minute, which I believe is 2-0 at the moment, Sam. Yep. Uh, have I got that right? Yeah. So yep. as, as it stands, it's looking very likely that uh, Manchester United will be out of the Europa League uh, by the end of this recording, and they then have to come back, get to London to face a Brighton side that I'm sure will be well up for it and have been playing some fantastic form. As a United fan, honestly, it could go either way. Over the years, if you'd have said Manchester United against Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final, you'd have been thinking, right, who are we going to play in the final? But this year, it's certainly not the case. Not the best form over the last, last month or so. A, a couple of injuries here and there. Lissandro Martinez being out for the season with a broken metatarsal is key because that means he's now having to play Harry Maguire. I don't really need to go into why that's a bit upsetting. But yeah, really, really is a game that could go either way. And, and I think it could go into extra time, could go deep into penalties as uh, either side struggle to, to find that sort of advantage. But I suppose, as our group, the main event for this weekend is the first game on Saturday, 
I'm going to pass it over to you, Kemp, to break down proceedings, break down your day and what your, as biased as you want, thoughts are on what will happen during that match. Oh, break down the day. That's a difficult one. Plans still aren't absolutely finalised, you know, so that's a difficult one. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've got tickets, which is the main thing and everybody, everything else just falls into place, doesn't it? Um, yes, I'm looking forward to it very much, I have to say. It's going to be a nice day out. It always is a nice day out when you go down to Wembley, especially to watch your own team. Um, it's a difficult one. Shall I be realistic or shall I be, you know what, fuck it, let's go for it. I'll do both, shall I? But I Realist- think Aggie did the second one for you earlier, well, he didn't did, he? Yeah, so, I don't need to do that, do I? I don't need to do that. Realistically, I think we'll probably get beat about 5-0. Um, it'll be very, very easy. You look against potentially Erling Haaland against Jack Robinson and it just gives me nightmares already. Um, but you never know. Magic of the FA Cup, any given Sunday, that sort of thing. Um, if we can hold them till half-time, they might, they might get a little bit nervous. They might start, you know, come out of second half thinking, oh, OK, we really need to go for it now. Start putting the pressure on. And who knows? We might catch them on the break. Who knows? But realistically, you know what it is? It's going to be a nice day out. It's going to be good to see the Blades in full force at Wembley once again. Um, but uh, we're not very good at Wembley. And, uh, and unfortunately, I think that will continue. But if nothing else, it'll be a nice day out. And that's what I'm looking at it as. I don't think I can look at it really in any other, in any other respect, surely, can I? No, that's fair. And uh, Aaron, a, a previous guest of ours and a big fan of Loaded Sport, I was speaking to him earlier <laughs> today. He's also going to the game and he just says like, the one thing he wants is a goal. Uh, and I think, you know, it'll be something to celebrate. Very similar to Chesterfield going to Stamford Bridge a couple of years ago. The way they celebrated that goal uh, when they were already, what, five, six goals behind um, was as if they'd uh, scored a 90th minute winner. So as I think if you can come back with that memory, even if it is going 1-0 up or something like that, I think it'll be something to be proud of and then focus on the league and get back to where you belong, which is in the Premier League. Now, Aggie, earlier in the show, you did go for Sheffield United as your wild card, the boldest and biggest wild card that could have possibly been picked this weekend. Is it just on the off chance that it'll land so you can claim that uh, medal or is there actual logic behind you picking them to uh, progress this weekend? I think that because Sheffield United are second in the championship, they're in a bit of form themselves. Man City, in like we've said, the FA Cup, they're in the Champions League. They're fighting for the Premier League. On Wednesday, they're facing Arsenal. Then I think it's up until the end of the season, they're playing twice a week. They're not going to be putting out your Haaland's. They're not going to be putting out any of those big-named players, are they? They're going to be leaving them on a bit of a... They're going to be putting out a bit of a reserve side. So, Kemp, I'm sorry, mate. I don't feel like you're going to get to see Haaland live, but I think you'd trade that in for, of course, Sheffield United winning and getting to the FA Cup final any day. So, for me, I don't think City are going to put out a strong side. I don't know why people are so adamant that they're going to put out an 11 that would start a Premier League game when they've got um, when they've got Arsenal on the Wednesday. I, I find it difficult to believe that. And I think with Sheffield United, any given Sunday... The supporters behind them, I think there'll be more Sheffield United fans there than there will be Manchester City fans. And I think because it's a bigger occasion for Sheffield United, that'll help massively. Yeah, I, uh, I'd i like to say I agree, but I think you are going to be in the minority there. But uh, Sam, we will come back with you, mate, just to close off the predictions. What do you think for Saturday? And then I'll come, I'll circle back around the room for uh, Sunday predictions as well. But uh what are your thoughts on Sheffield United's chances and also what's your prediction for Sunday's game for Brighton versus Manchester <clears throat> United? 
I think with uh, Sheffield United, I, am, I haven't got much hope for them, to be honest. I think, uh, as Kemp said in with his head screwed on moment, I think 5-0, something like that. And in terms of and Sunday game, Man United, I think, I think they're going to lose. I'm just watching them here against Seville. Not good. Seville have battered them for, for 60 minutes and I can't see them recovering at all. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think uh, United have got too much for Brighton here, to be honest. No, that's fair. And Aggie, <laughs> it's so good that this is on gallery view. I tell you, because it would get banned from YouTube instantly. But uh, Aggie, Sheffield United, is there going to be another shock? I suppose the shock, according to the bookies, would be a Manchester United win. But I'm sure historically everyone will agree that a Brighton win would be the shock. Um, what's your prediction for Sunday's game? Um, I think Manchester United are going to have enough to see off Brighton. I think they've kind of fallen off a little bit from what they were like when they had Potter, and I think Manchester United are just such a strong side. A lot of people were saying how this is set up to be a Manchester final. Obviously, I'm still holding out that Sheffield United can do a job, but I think Manchester United will have enough to see off Brighton. Both are going to put out strong sides because it's the only silverware they've got a chance of winning. Uh, well, well, United have won one trophy, but uh, I will say Rashford has just come on for United against Seville. So obviously, he's looks like they're easing him back from injury. So you'd, you'd fully expect him to be uh, somewhere near that starting eleven as well come Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for my predictions, I, I'm going to take a Man City win by four goals, um, and I'm going to take Man United to uh, win on penalties. Actually, I think it'll be a tight, cagey game where. You know they try and play the football, but they don't want to make a mistake, and and it goes all the way. So, Kemp, your heart, I'm sure, says Sheffield United. Your head, very convincingly, says Manchester City, as it should, to be fair. But um, what do you think about Sunday? If Sheffield United can get through, who do you see them facing in the final? I think it's a bit of a, a moot point, in it. I think it's a bit of a pointless question. I can see Brighton getting to the final from the Sunday's game. Um, I think Man United are struggling a little bit at the moment, especially when you look at the injuries for Martinez and for Rashford as well. Um, obviously, you mentioned that he's uh, he's coming back from uh, from injury, and they are easing him back in. Uh, I'm not delighted about Rashford's injury, by the way. I'm just um, yeah, as Dawson has just said. If this were on gallery view, we'd all be in trouble. Um, so, yeah, no, 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 no. Not all of us, mate. One very specific <laughs> person. Um, I, I would say that Brighton will get through on Sunday. And you know what? If if we did miraculously somehow manage to beat City, um, I'd much rather play play Brighton in the final anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Brighton and, and Manchester City, City to be in the final and then Manchester City to win the FA Cup uh, altogether. But one last question for you, Kemp, before we do uh, tuck ourselves into Kempy's combat corner. If Sheffield United do win on Saturday by any means in any way, is it the best day of your life so far? Uh, yeah, you got to say so, haven't you? <laughs> you got to say so, surely. you got to say so. There's been a few good ones, uh, a few piss-ups along the way. Um, but uh, yeah. I, I definitely think if we beat Manchester City and make it to the FA Cup final, it's definitely something that I'll never forget. And it's history. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Fingers crossed, eh? Can't wait to see what happens, mate. And I also can't wait to discuss it next week and hear what happened in your day. And hopefully 
you come in with good news and a big smile on your face. But that is everything for football this week, lads. A lot of things happening at the moment as we approach the business end of the season. That is going to be even more so. Next week, we're going to know who is likely to lift the Premier League title. We are going to know who is in the FA Cup final. We are going to know who has been automatically promoted or likely to in the uh, National League as well, as well as other leagues up and down the country. So a lot of things happening at the minute, a lot of things for us to discuss. And I'm glad that I've got a lot of knowledge uh, around me of up and down the leagues and other competitions to make sure that we continue delivering the goods. But uh, Kemp, we've got Joyce versus Zhang to review. We've also got that proposed mega card in Saudi Arabia to discuss as well. I'm going to have a break and grab myself a drink and I'm going to hand over to you and Sam to discuss the latest in the boxing world as we go to Kempi's Combat Corner. Well, yeah, thank you very much. And let's start with the uh, with the fight of the weekend, Joe Joyce versus Jaylee Zhang uh, for the Interim WBO um, Championship of the World. It, it was a, an interesting fight. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be um, a bit of a slugfest from the start. I, I personally didn't subscribe to that. I thought it would be a lot more cagey than it was. But but no, um, Jaylee Zhang come out in that first first round um, with that devastating left hand southpaw stance of him, and um, and Joe Joyce didn't really have a, have a solution for that. Saw him get tagged up a, a little bit in the first few rounds. I thought going towards the back end of the fight, Joe Joyce had, had come back into it a little bit, put the pressure on a on, a, on an ailing Zhang. Um, he's thirty nine years of age. His gas tank's not the best in the world, so I thought Joe Joyce would be able to come on strong late on. But unfortunately, Joe, uh, Joe Joyce never got the opportunity. Um, the fight was stopped. Um, he, he could no long, longer continue due to the damage that was done to his eye. Um, and and Jaylee Zhang won the fight against a lot of people's predictions. So a TKO win, an injury to the eye. I'm not sure if it was an orbital bone or anything like that. But um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't good for Joe Joyce regardless. And and this is really, really going to set him back in his his aspirations to uh, to fight for a world title proper in the near future. Sam, I believe you watched the fight. Joe Joyce did. went down in round six due to that busted up eye. What did you think of the performance, the, the fight overall, and, and what are your takeaways from it? Just not good and not good at all, mate. It would like to say it was a fight that pretty much unanimously everyone was deciding early on Joyce should have this covered, and he should have really because uh, Zhang didn't offer anything except for a fucking huge left arm and it just couldn't seem to get out of the way of it. Um, Joyce's lack of defence finally caught up with him. It's something that he's had. How many fights has he had? Not that many, is it really, for his age? Is it like 16, something like that? Yeah, he's had uh, 15 fights now. 15 uh, oh, now, sorry, is 16 it? now, including oh, this one. 16. Um, yeah, 16 yeah. fights now and, and obviously he's always had that, not I won't say stigma about him, but he's, he's obviously got a massive, he's got a great chin um, chiselled as Dawson has say um, and it, it caught up with him he can't defend using his chin in, in these um, these top end heavyweight matchups and Zhang picked him apart I thought, I thought he was absolutely outstanding to be honest um, I did back, uh, back I had a bet I think it was uh, Joyce to win over 8.5 rounds and Joyce mm. to put him on put Zhang on his arse at least once and obviously none of that come in so mm. Not a, not a good night for especially for British boxing, um, but it's it's just the damage had been done too early to that to that eye. Like you say, it didn't even get a chance to express his gas tank and compare, you know, press his age age difference, uh, and the damage had been done too early. And 
think it's something he's got to work on. He has to has to work on that defence. Uh, it, it might yeah. be a bit. Might I be get what you're saying. Him, but... I get what you're saying, and 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 that's what I was just about to say. You mentioned there the age difference, and and there was a small age difference between Jaylee Zhang and Joe Joyce. But ultimately, Joe Joyce is 37 years of age. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that he's only fought 16 times, it's a little bit crazy. People think people think he looks he does he does look younger. And the fact that he's fought 16 times in his professional career as well, a lot of people think, oh, you know, he's younger than he is. But actually, he had a very very long amateur career. Um, he didn't turn pro uh, until quite late in his his career, um, which is why, you know, he's he's not he's not the fighter. He's not the young buck that people you know bursted onto the scene like Michael Richards said. As much as people think, um, he, he made his pro debut in two thousand and seventeen. So in in that respect, it's it's not that you know it's 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 not that long ago at all. So can you teach old dog new tricks? I don't think so. Um, I said before the fight, Joe Joyce is exactly that. He's a juggernaut and he comes through and, and he gets cracked on the chin, but he keeps going and he keeps going and he keeps going. He wears people out. He gets them up against the ropes and he starts doing damage. Um, it worked against pretty much every single, well, not every single, but quite Joseph a few fighters. Parker. Joseph Parker, for one, um, it worked against him a treat. So we all expected that to happen again. But unfortunately, he ran into a bit of a brick wall with Jay Li Zhang and and, and yes, Joyce took the punches. He got staggered a little bit by Jay Li Zhang in the early rounds. But he took the shots. He kept coming. But ultimately, in boxing, you can't take that sort of punishment from a heavy no. hitter like Jay Li Zhang because if he's not going to knock you out, he's going to break your jaw. And if he's not going to break your jaw, he's going to bust your eye. And, and ultimately, if you can't see out your eye, you can't fight. So I think it's it's been coming. Um, looking back on it, I expected Joe, Joe Joyce to win. And I'm not going to come out saying now, saying, oh, you know, I, I, I saw it coming. I didn't. I thought that when Joyce got to the next level, this sort of thing would happen. I wasn't quite sure that it would happen this early. So I think it's very concerning for Joe Joyce. Um, and like you say, if he is going to get back to, to that um, potential world title shot, um, he, he needs to change that. Um, the path back for Joe Joyce then, because he's 37, he's not, he's not done. He's still got a few fights left in him, I'm sure. Um, and he's already said that as much in, in his interviews since the fight. Where do you see his path back to that potential heavyweight title shot? Because he does have a rematch clause against Jay Li Zhang, which, as far as I'm aware at the moment, he hasn't activated. So what are your thoughts on that? I don't like the rematch. I really don't like the rematch. I think, as they say, styles make fights. And I think that style just does not sue him. It's not going to, if you say, you say he's not going to change his, his you know, he's not going to get his defence any getting any better. So I, I can't really see any other result of him getting his fucking head knocked off again. Um, everybody always auto autos to Dillian White, don't they, to, for this for a, as a stepping stone fight? They've, they've said it with Joshua, and it is it is the sort of fight. I mean, to be fair, Dillian White, what where would you put him in on on level with Zhang? Because obviously, I think he's probably I'd say he's a better boxer than Zhang, but I don't think he is anywhere near as hard. Uh, I would say Jaylee Zhang wins that fight. Based on mm. recent form, uh, I, I think Dillian White against Tyson Fury was a bit of a joke, to be honest yeah, with you. Should, should never happened. No, um, and, and I think his fight against um, Franklin was was a little bit disappointing in terms of performance as well. So I think Dillian White is definitely on the downside of his career. Yeah, and you mentioned there that you don't think Joe Joyce should go back in with Zhang straight away, even though there is the rematch clause there. Um, I suppose the difficulty with that one is, is that if you are going to build Joe Joyce up to be a next contender for a Fury or a Usyk, you know, down the line after the mandatories are out of the way, 
and obviously Joyce will be a mandatory when when it does come around. How do you bill Joe Joyce as a heavyweight title contender when he's lost against Zhang and hasn't avenged that defeat? No, it's, it's a tough ask, it is. And like you say, with only 16 fights at, at that age, pro fights at that age, um, it, it is a tough ask. I get what you're saying. You probably want to right the wrongs against Zhang before stepping up into that next level. But I just, I really don't see any way how that fight would go any other way. It's, it's that's how his style is, and that's how his style is. And I, I can't see myself in, in change. The leopard never changes spots, as they say. So I, I'd be surprised if that if the second fight went any other way. I think it, it should be started looking at. But I do think that this has been a bit of an eye opener for Joe Joyce fans. I think he's been painted as this. How ironic. Promise. How ironic seeing as though he got his eye closed in the sixth round. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think he's been painted as the prince that's been promised, obviously, since the fall of AJ. I think British boxing fans have tried to look for another another guy to cling to. And I think he's picked up a lot of the, lot, lot of AJ's fans. And I don't think he's, he's at the level we thought he was. And, and they've marketed him as, as you've said before, mm. with Anthony Joshua, he's marketed, been brilliant how they've marketed him. And he's been found out. And I think similar things happened to Joe Joyce. Maybe I'm speaking a bit too premature on that, but that that just, just um, seemed to me. It's it's say it's same same but different mm. in my opinion. So I completely agree with what you're saying there, and I and I was one of those people. I'm not really Anthony Joshua's biggest fan, but when it came to Joe Joyce, I yeah. saw his ability to take a shot, move forward, drain people, lean on people, take people into the deep water and drown them. I saw that as a real opportunity for him to to lean on those attributes and I thought he was going to get through Zhang and I thought he was going to get a title shot did I see him winning a world title no did I no. see what maybe other people saw no um but I definitely saw him performing better than he than he did and I, I definitely saw him picking up the win um and I definitely saw him as being the next serious contender from the UK to fight for a world title um the prince that's been promised some people thought that some people didn't uh, some people were in between, which is kind of where I think I fell on that one. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting and a difficult road back for Joyce, especially like you say at 37. He did have a very long and decorated amateur career, which does help him in that respect. You look at fighters like Vasily Lomachenko, who had a very, very long amateur career. And because they were so good in the amateurs, they kind of got world title fights a lot quicker than people that, you know, yeah. had a longer pro career, if that makes sense. So he has got that amateur to career to sort of back him up. But for me, in my personal opinion, I think if Joe Joyce wants to ever want be near a, a unified or undisputed um, championship champion fight, um, he's got to beat Jay Li Zhang and he's got to take that rematch and he's got to try and do something a little bit differently. Um, but at 37, like you said there, Sam, how easy is that to do? So yeah. we'll watch this space on Joe Joyce. It'll be interesting to see where his career um, goes from there. Um, and we'll cover it, obviously, of course, as always, on Kempi's Combat Corner. Um, before we do move on to um, the rest of today's proceedings on Loaded Sport, I want to get your thoughts, Sam, on something that came out in the news. I think it was back end of last week, maybe early this week. Um, they're all they're all merging into one these days, <laughs> especially in the boxing world. Um, Simon Jordan, who is a, a fairly new face in the boxing scene, former Crystal Palace club owner. Um, Premier League club Crystal Palace used to be their owner um, and and former or, or current very successful businessman 
has got a, an ardent passion for boxing and he's a contributor to Talk Sport. He is very involved in boxing these days, more so than ever. He's got his own podcast with Spencer Oliver, who's the former um, bantamweight and very promising bantamweight until his career was shortened, unfortunately, due to injury. Um, and he has said that his sources, this being Simon Jordan, have confirmed that there are talks ongoing for a, an event to take place in Saudi Arabia in December 2023 for Tyson Fury to fight Alexander Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. And then on the undercard, as I would imagine the co-main event, unless they're going to really blow our minds, um, Anthony Joshua, the former WBO, WBO, IBO, IBA, whatever it is, heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world, will be fighting the former WBC champion of the world, Deontay Wilder, in what would promise to be the most ridiculous boxing card that's ever been put on in the history of the world. There's never been yeah. anything like that. Um, Sam, thoughts, bullshit, I mean, hearsay, or is there anything to this? <laughs> I mean, I, I think we all quite like Simon Jordan on, on Loaded Sport, don't we? It, it tells you how it is. Don't pull any punches. They'll say it to a bloke's face, whatever has been repeating. Um, so... I'll, uh, I'll I'll do if he says his sources. Uh, if that's what he's heard, I'll I'll fully believe that. Just as I say that Sevilla gone three 0 up against United, Jesus Christ. Um. So yeah, I, I'm willing to believe that there's there's things happening now. Whether things talking, should I say? Now whether these talks actually come to fruition, I think that's a completely different answer. I don't think it's going to happen at all. I think it's like I think we mentioned in the midweek. It's going to be about 100 to one on this happening. If it did happen. It would be the greatest night in boxing history. Boxing history, full stop. Um, combat history. I don't know if you'd want to involve UFC in that as well. Maybe, in, but definitely yeah. in terms of definitely in terms of finances, it would be anyway. So yeah, hell of a lot of money to be made in that. Um, Mouth-watering, absolutely. It's what every single boxing fan wants. It's and you know what? It's what every boxing fan deserves at this point because. The heavyweight division has been a, an absolute piss take for about two or three years now, ducking each other, politics in it. Um, obviously, the sport's been coming to re uh, repute with um, with all the you know the recent scandals on doping and things like that. So I think this would, at the end of the year, would be an absolute pinnacle of the sport, and it, it's one one event that could potentially save it. I know we've discussed recently on Loaded Sport that the um, that boxing's dying essentially. It's you know people are moving to UFC a lot more and MMA and th this is the sort of thing that would pull everybody back. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Of course, I'm as a boxing fan. Whether I whether I think it's going to happen is a completely different completely different point. What yeah. about you? Yeah, and you know what? When I first heard it, I, I thought, yeah, all right then, okay, mm. sure. You know, we've not been able to get Fury versus AJ. We've not been able to get AJ versus AJ versus Wilder. We've yeah. not been able to get Fury versus Usyk. These fights at the heavyweight division, the pinnacle of the heavyweight division, you know, aren't happening for whatever reason. Politics, bullshit, money, whatever the fuck it might be, they're not happening. And like you say, that as well as doping issues with Conor Ben and Amir Khan more recently, boxing is going through a really tough time at the moment. Um, I can't. I completely agree with you in the sense that if this, if they did pull this off somehow, um, it would be 
unbelievable and, and it would bring everybody back to boxing in a heartbeat, most definitely. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that would pay £100 to watch it because it would be ridiculous. Um it's a once in a lifetime thing, isn't it? It's one of them. It is. It's one of them. They're going to be. They're going to be asking questions about this on game show in it fifty is. years' time. It's going to Correct. be one of them sort of things. Correct. It's rumble in the jungle. Yes. Yeah. It's it's that it's that type of event. It's huge. Um, however, having said all of those romantic <laughs> things, um, this Back is boxing. This is boxing that we're talking about, and like I say, they've not been able to put um, decent fights on in the heavyweight division for for a bit now. Um, money talks and the fact that these talks are being held in Saudi Arabia helps that um, it would be I would imagine 500 million would be the overall cost of, of this card when you look at site fees when you look at paying fighters when you look at everything involved media and and and, and everything that you, you put into it I think it would cost 500, 500 million to put it on um, can the Saudi Arabians afford it? Of course they can. Oh, easy. Pocket but, change. But will they do it? Is it something that will be done and can be done? I highly doubt it. Having said that, Eddie Hearn has come out in recent days, Anthony Joshua's promoter, and said that, that talks, there is interest from Saudi Arabia, rather, rather than talks happening, there are there is interest. And, and, and uh, Eddie Hearn will be travelling out to Saudi Arabia fairly shortly to have those conversations. Malik Scott, who is also Deontay Wilder's trainer, has also confirmed that there are talks in place for this to happen. Um, wow. Alexander Usyk's camp, I believe, have been a little bit quieter, and Tyson Fury's done what Tyson Fury does and come out on social media and called it bullshit. So, who do you believe? It's a difficult one. Um, would it be amazing if it happened? Yes, it'd be one of the best nights of boxing that the world has ever seen, if not the best. Um, and I think it would be, you know, a, a real spectacle for everybody to watch. Um, do I think it will happen? Not in a fucking million years. But hey, it's nice to talk about. And if it did happen, I'm sure Loaded Sport would be all over it like a fly on shit. So press passes, mate. Press passes. It's coming. That's it. That's it. Well, uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We uh, we, we get the fights and uh, and Loaded Sport can represent as always. Um, Sam, thank you so much for, for joining me on Kempi's Combat Corner. It's, it's been much appreciated. No and problem, mate. For the last few weeks while I've been doing Kempi's Combat Corner, I, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I feel like your interest in combat sports may be being ignited a little bit mm. um, from the conversations that we've had. And that's always good from a combat sports fan of 20 plus years. It's always nice to see somebody who's maybe on the periphery of the sport coming yeah. a little bit closer to it and, and getting a little bit more fair. involved. So I'm, I'm yeah. really happy to see that and I'm glad you're, you're getting involved. So thank you for joining me, mate. Much appreciated. God bless you. Lovely stuff, lads. And uh, as the summer picks up, as will the sports news, and I completely agree with you, as great as that card sounds, as monumental in boxing history it will be, it ain't happening, is it? And if anyone could afford it, it is someone in that part of the world. But yeah. It's not. There'll be the politics will be who goes on last and all that bullshit just to stop it from yeah. happening. But uh, yeah. Anyway, on to the darts, lads. It is heating up. We are just like the football season in the business end, and we are also just three weeks away from attending it ourselves. The loaded sport live at Sheffield Arena, watching the darts Premier League. But last week in Brighton, going price. 
quoted by Sam, the form of his life takes yet another win to close the gap on Michael Van Gogh at the top of the table and uh, make Kempi even happier with his uh, pre-tournament prediction. Uh, Aggie, Peter Wright is getting better, but he's left it way too late. He did get to the semi-final and lost very narrowly to the runner-up, Michael Smith, uh, 6-5. But uh, yeah, as it stands, Price is the man to beat despite Michael Van Gerwen being top of the table. Uh, night 12 takes us into the Netherlands in Rotterdam, and you would assume that that would uh, give Michael Van Gerwen home field advantage. But, lads, the big shock of the night is that he has gone out in the quarterfinals, losing mm. narrowly 6-5 to Nathan Aspinall. Um, Gerwen Price, Kemp, again, he is currently in the final. He has beat... Uh, Michael Smith, 6-3. He has then battered uh, Clay, Johnny Clayton, 6-1 in the semi-finals. Wow. And he is due to play either Van der Beer or Aspinall in the final to potentially get yet another win. I'm sure you'll be cheering him on more than anyone when we go to Sheffield in three weeks' time. I'll be back in Van Gerwen. Sam and Aggie, maybe not in with a shout, but as we've said before, any given Sunday, the top four go into the playoffs in the in the finals night at the O2 later on in the year. But uh, yeah, Sam, you said it yourself. Going Price, the form of his life. It's it, despite him not being top yet, it certainly looks like he's the man to beat at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I really think this is his um, this is his Premier League. To be honest, if the form is showing, as as he won ever won one. I don't think he's won the Premier League, no. But I might be wrong on that. I think uh, I think this could be his time. Myself, he's um, absolutely steamrolling opponents. I mean, as you say, you, tonight you would say it was six-one against. Yeah, uh, against Johnny Clayton in the semi-final. Yeah, I mean Clayton. Let's be fair; he's been in terrific form of late as well. So it's um, no no um, mean feat that is by by beating him. So, yeah, I think I've got a feeling this could be uh, this could be his year. Myself. Yeah, and just to confirm, Gerwin Price has never won the uh, the uh, Premier League. Just to yeah, uh, confirm that. Aggie, winner for me. It's certainly looking that way. Aggie, you you picked the man that seemed to be having a bit of a dud tournament at the start in the last two or three weeks or so. He has he has turned it around. Will you be all in on cheering on Peter Wright uh, in three weeks' time, or is it a case of uh, you're mad at him and that uh, you you'll be putting your attention somewhere else for someone else to lift the trophy? Could never be mad at someone that puts that much effort into his hair, can I really? So, no, I'm going to stand by uh, cheering on Peter Wright. I know he's not going to make it through into the playoffs, but I think like Sam said and like Kemp said from the very beginning, it's going to be Gerwin Prices to lose now. I think Gerwin Prices had such a phenomenal tournament. I saw him against uh, Michael Smith and against Michael Smith earlier on, uh, just before recording, he didn't really seem to even need to go into second gear. He was very slow to start. Michael Smith looked in control. And then from out of nowhere, he just picked up the pace a little bit and, and just finished off the game. Like Sam says, he's in the form of his life. He's the most informed player in darts at the moment. I can't see a way in which he, he doesn't win this tournament. So uh, credit to Kemp for giving that shout from the very beginning. No, well, there is still plenty of time. And again, the, it is not who finishes top of the table that wins the tournament. The top four do go through to the playoffs or uh, the knockout, should I say. And as we know, anything can happen at that point. But lads, not much to talk about with darts. We can't really make a prediction because at the time of recording, we are in the second semi-final. But it does certainly look like Gerwin Price is going to get another win. But we will round it off and discuss next week as we get ever closer to attending it live ourselves. Lads, 
final subject of the night, final sport of the night. We are one week away from the NFL draft. This time next week, we'll be recording. We'll be looking at getting our naps in. We'll be looking at watching draft day and all the usual routine that we have this time of year. Um, Not a lot of news this week, which again is surprising. The mock drafts are coming thick and fast. Traeger has released his first uh, and only mock draft uh, earlier this week, which was a really good read as always. But yeah, Sam, I know we we went in depth last week about the lack of activity around the Jets and Packers and that Mm. Aaron Rodgers trade. Still nothing. I know. I know a quote came out earlier in the week that you shared about, don't worry about it, I won't be there till May, but it, it just seems like nobody is really in a rush to get it done this side of the draft. No, I will I will mention it every single week until this uh, this trade is over the line, so you're going to have to keep bearing with me. But yeah, still no news on the, the Aaron Rodgers trade. It will be the, the biggest trade in the off-season once that does go through. It, it sounds like it's a matter of when, as we said, rather than if. Um. I did see another bit of a, a little tidbit as, as to a reason why it's potentially not gone through. And I think apparently the um, the Jets owners have had a little bit of cold feet on the trade at, at some point in it. And it was due to Rogers, his, it, Aaron Rodgers' interview on the Pat McAfee show when he come out of his darkness retreat. Yeah. And when he come out and he said it was nine, going into the darkness retreat, it was 90% retired. And I don't, I don't think the Jets realised that. I don't think they realised how close he was to retiring in his mind. So they're thinking, hang on a minute, we, we're going to need some compensation further down the line here. If we're only going to get one year out of him, we, we don't want to be giving away the house, essentially. So yeah. I, I get it from their standpoint. But again, from Green Bay's, why, why would you not dig heels in if, if they've already publicly declared he's their man? So yeah, here we are on the, on the cusp of the draft, a, a week out. Still none the wiser. Um, I hope in a week's time, a week, a week, a week old Sam, I'll wave to him if he if he's got a bit more knowledge than I have right now on um on this Aaron Rodgers trade. But as of right now, we're still in the dark. Like my advice um to present Sam and future Sam is don't hold your breath because uh, it's not looking likely, is it? But uh, no. I suppose the the main news and it's not even news really in terms of something actually happening, but. It is something that was reported to happen. And again, I'm going to come to you for this one because it is within your division. Um, it has been reported that San Francisco 49ers have received calls. They've not gone out of the way to make the calls, but they have had the conversations. Uh, they've received calls on the availability of Trey Lance. Now, we did speak a little bit towards the end of last season with Brock Purdy, the form that he was in. He got them to the championship game ultimately got injured and, you know, it was a bit of a blowout in the end. So it wasn't sort of the game that we were expecting. But again, no news on whether 49ers are open to it or or what they're looking for. But if they are going to go down that route and if they are having those conversations, do you think it is the right move to take picks for him, having not really seen what he's capable of and, and commit to Purdy? I think it's very risky for for them to do something like that, considering Purdy will also be coming off the back of a very long-term injury. He's, he did really well when he stepped in, of course, um, when Garoppolo went out injured. But I think it's very risky unless they are intending on taking another quarterback in the draft, which then asks the question, what's the point? I did see something from Peter Schrager. I know how seriously you take his drafts of um, the potential of the Texans not taking a quarterback at number two and maybe trading their number 12 pick for another quarterback. And would that be where they can get Trey Lance? Because is a second overall too much to give for Trey Lance? I'd say so. 
12th overall pick, I'd probably still say maybe a little bit too much considering how little we've seen of him in the NFL. Um, but that's another option in which the, the Texans and the 49ers can go down. I think with Purdy and Lance, they've got two very, very strong candidates for a number one quarterback. I think both of them have very strong potential. So maybe next season, trade one of them. But this year, let them both fight out to see which one's going to be the number one quarterback for their future. Both very young, again, with, with plenty of potential. One, you've seen what he can do in the NFL. The other still has that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And Sam, what's your thoughts there? Is it just a case of Niners are taking the calls to be polite or do you think further down the road there might be a bit of traction to it? I think they have to do the due diligence, don't they? Um, I do feel for them in a way because I, I think you almost get the feeling they're going to make the wrong decision whatever quarterback they go with. That's how I feel, whether that's just a pessimist in me speaking. But do they go with do they go with the product they've seen on the field last, last season in... Um, in I've completely forgot his name. What's Purdy, called? Brock Purdy. Purdy, of course it is Brock Purdy. Do they stick with him or do they go with the the high, potential higher ceiling of Trey Lance? But having seen him on you know less footage on him, it's I think it's a really difficult decision. So I, I'm not surprised they're taking calls because I think if it, if it's off their books, I think it's a bit less of a headache for them in regards to which one they're going with, and they've just got to kind of got to roll with the guy that they're stuck with. Then, so yeah, I think it's kind of you know, the devil they do, the devil they don't sort of thing. And I think they're they're in a bit of a tricky situation at quarterback at the minute. I personally would stick with Brock Purdy, having seen his, his, his you know, he's put tape out there in, in the pro leagues. So, yeah, that, that'd be my, my move as, a, as the GM. You also Very don't want to upset the offence a little bit too much, though, do you? Considering how they've just done reaching into the playoffs, they got all the way to... To facing the Eagles, and if it weren't for that injury against Purdy, they could probably have given the Eagles a bit of a tougher game, couldn't they, to get to to the Super Bowl? Yeah. So I, I think you don't want to upset the rhythm of that offense a little bit too much because they've got a very strong offense there. Obviously, they've just added McCaffrey, which will do wonders for them with a full season with him. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, players like that. That offense is ready to go, and it, it's. I do think that the Seahawks will make the playoffs, but I still think the Niners if they can keep both Brock Purdy and Trey Lance or win our division. Interesting. I personally do think they stick with Lance. And at some point, you you said it there, Sam, slightly, that they're going to have to trade one of them away. Because if they go with Lance, Purdy's proved he can play. He's not going to sit on the bench. If they go with Purdy, that they put a lot into Lance and they can use that for, for trade bait. Yeah. But I, I do think they, they commit to Lance and get, you know, profit on, on what they, you know, they picked Purdy as he was Mr. Irrelevant, weren't he? So, they're yeah. definitely going to get some kind of steady profit for that. Um, I've just realised. I've just realised. Said the term "devil you do" and "devil you don't." When I realised it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if yeah. you don't. So well, we all knew what you meant, night, mate. So don't night. worry about it. But uh, it has been a long night, and, and we'll leave it there. But one question I do want to ask you: next week we will be recording before the draft, but we will be releasing after the first round. So just very quick thoughts. We're going to work back to front, and I just want, as it stands, if you were the man in charge, who is you're either A, your realistic player that you want or just the realistic position that you hope your team goes for in that first round in a week's time. Now, like I said, I'm going to work back to front. I'm going to start it towards the end of the first round and work my way back purely because it's not very often that Kemp would be going first for this, despite the fact that we are... Well, it would if we, doing, if we were doing it normal way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It's, we've got a Patriots fan, a Packers fan, a, a Seahawks fan and a Giants fan. 
and Giants are the last to pick in a first round. So it's a massive credit to the work that has been going on behind the scenes in the Giants in the last 12 to 24 months. But, Ken, you've got the 25th pick in the first round as it stands. Is there a particular position that you think that needs a focus to, to help them go to that next level? Yeah, I think we need um, more weapons, I think, more than anything else. I think DJ did a, a, an inspired job last season, to be fair, and not a lot of people thought he was going to do as, as well as he did. We had Barkley healthy for the vast majority of the season, which obviously helped and gave us that option. Um, whether we'll have Barkley interested in playing for us this season is a different kettle of fish, but I'm sure we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, I believe we need a wide receiver, another weapon for Daniel Jones to aim at um, on offence. Interesting. And I would agree with that myself outside looking in. I would like to see the Giants really go for an offensive weapon. They've focused on the trenches. They've focused on back end of defence. It's time now to get DJ, that, that big outside weapon that can really, really test if they were right in paying him all that money. So I have to agree with you there. Uh, it's now very tight between me and Sam, but Sam, I am going to come to you with the 15th pick, just about in the middle of the first round. We've spoken before about the potential for a defensive back pick, which as a group is probably the least uh, of your needs. But again, if, if you're the man in charge... Can I just very, very quickly... We're number 20, aren't we? Adam, Adam's looking at oh, you yeah, now. Sorry. The Seahawks yeah. are number 20. That's right. It's because I'm... Th- yeah, you're, you're New, absolutely New, right. New England's 19 and all. There's quite a gap between me and you. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm, we're 14, you twat. Tampa Bay and... Sorry, Sam, you're getting mixed up with Dawson's other team. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he doesn't like them anymore. Tom the, Brady's the, retired now, so he doesn't like the, them anymore. Um, you're <laughs> absolutely right, Ken, but the only reason that I've not gone to Aggie is because the, he's also got the number five pick, which is obviously a premium pick. So that is the reason I've skipped that 20th because he has got two first rounders. So don't worry. But yeah, Sam, uh, Green Bay are 15th just after New England at 14. It's after that they then alternate rounds, which is weird. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but. No, yeah, but uh, Green Bay at 15, is there a particular p- position you really hope they focus on? And have you got a player in mind who could realistically be there at that 15th pick? Yeah, you know what? I've been backwards and forwards on on this on this selection. Um, and I seen a, a C- the CBS mock draft the other day and I, um, I've kind of bit hard on it, I must admit. And I'm really hard set on it. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm going for Jackson Smith and Jigba. At fifteen, okay. they've they've projected us picking him up at fifteen. I didn't think he'd quite fall that far, but if he's <laughs> excuse me, if he's still on the board at fifteen, I think we're taking him. And I just think it's sod's law that it's the uh, the first year without Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we've never drafted a a wide receiver in the first round under his tenure. That uh, that will be as soon as he's gone. We're, we're picking one. I just think. Um, Brian Gutekunst has he's got that little bit of spite in him. He can be a bit of a dick, and I think he's definitely got one in him. I think it's, uh, I, I think I've seen the quote written in the stars for Green Bay to pick a wide receiver at fifteen, and I, I think it'd be if he's on the board. I'm going for JSM. Yeah, that, that that would be a great pick, mate, and you should come out of uh, that first round very happy if that does happen. Uh, New England at fourteen, as we've mentioned there, it would be classic Bill to focus on either of the lines. Uh, I would be very happy with a tackle, despite that not being an exciting pick. I do think we need one. Uh, And, you know, there's going to be some top talent available at 14. But, yeah, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that a a wide receiver 
or a cornerback. I think we, we need that depth at cornerback, especially with the division that we're in and the strength that that's getting with the potential addition of Aaron Rod- Rodgers as well. Uh, I think cornerback or wide receiver would be the best focus, but really wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if tackle is the way they go. But we'll get deeper into more player details next week. Sam, go on, mate. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I'm just going to say, on, on that little bit you said there with obviously Jets getting Rodgers, um, it, once this trade does go through, where do you put yourselves in that division come the season end? I mean, realistically, as much as I hate to say it, it you're going to be struggling, aren't you? I, I do think it would be pretty even with Dolphins just because have of the tough team and the defences that they build. But Jets, phenomenal defence. They've got weapons. They've got Brees Hall that's going to be coming back. He was fantastic before he got injured. You add Aaron Rodgers to that, you know, that's an extra two or three wins or those close losses before and now wins and, and things like that. And and the Bills are the Bills and could potentially take a bit of a game changer if a, a Bijan Robinson's still there when they pick I, I they think take it's him. more. I think it's more than two, two or three wins. I think it's, yeah. I'd say six. I'd say it's yeah. six wins. The amount of games he's carried is on his back over years. I think Jets win another six games with him. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair and I don't disagree with you. But to answer your question, honestly, mate, the next two, three years as, as a minimum, I'm not too confident that we're we're going to be anywhere but bottom of that division. But it is a tough division. That is more the strength of the other teams as opposed to how poor New England have become. But yeah, just a bit, got a to bit get dull, it aren't they? A bit dull, yeah. New England. I think they're, they're kind of set in the ways. Obviously, a bit outdated, Bel- mate. Outdated. Bill Belichick's franchise, he's got his claws right into it and Obviously, we're not. I'm not going to sit here and knock him as a coach at all because he's been phenomenal. No one's going to ever come close to what he's done in New England. Um, but I just think it may be time for a bit of a change and a bit of a shake-up in New England. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, you look at teams like the Giants who are really f- focusing on that young, bringing in a GM, that modern sort of outlook. You look at the Bears with polls and, and what they're looking to do as well. It, it it can't be too long until New England do have to make that tough decision. And Bill staying on as coach 100%. But then if you do bring a young GM in, what's that dynamic going to be like? I'm really not sure. So, yeah, I do think, I I don't think so. But yeah, I I do think it's going to be a tough couple of years up ahead for New England. But a lot lot of that is down to what you mentioned there, Sam. A lot of teams are strengthening and they're not doing so. And I think they're going to get left behind, unfortunately. But um, time will tell. They'll still remain a very well-coached team on the field and they'll still produce results. What about if... Bill did the other way and he stepped up and went into GM and let hired a new head coach. Not too excited purely because of his history in the draft, especially yeah. the first round and stuff like that. It's never been strong. So I'll be yeah. honest, it doesn't excite me too much. Um, but uh, on back on to next week's draft and the yeah. main event, Aggie, you've got the 20th pick, you've got the fifth pick. And w- what not a lot of people would have predicted is that fifth pick is from Denver and the 20th pick is from your own form. So we're, uh, that fifth pick is the opportunity for an absolute game changer to to keep you consistent in the playoffs. Who are you hoping for and what are the two positions that you hope Seattle come out with next week? In fifth, I'm hoping for Will Anderson. And I know that might be a bit of wishful thinking, thinking that he's going to fall all the way down to fifth. But I've heard rumours that the cards are trading back. And if the cards do trade back, you're looking at the Falcons maybe jumping in to take a quarterback. So if that's the case, the top four quarterbacks, we've got Will Anderson. And can you imagine Will Anderson, who's got so much potential already, to then sit a year behind somebody as experienced and talented as Bobby Wagner to then go on and, and get the starting role afterwards? It's going to be incredible for his career and great for us for our future as well. Otherwise, 
I've seen loads of different options. Anthony Richardson, uh, Jalen Carter. Carter worries me a little bit because there's been a lot of rumour about him being, of course, arrested and being a little bit naughty. Um, and then Anthony Richardson on the other side. I don't know how I feel about taking another quarterback when we've just re-signed Drew Lark and Geno Smith. It really puts me off the idea that we are then going to draft a quarterback and go with three QBs throughout the year. Um, I'd like to see us strengthen uh, across the uh, the defensive line. I think we spoke towards the Super Bowl a lot about how it's going to be won in the trenches. Not that I'm saying that we're going to get to the Super Bowl, but our offensive line has always been poor. We've started to build one a little bit now. We've got Abraham Lucas, Charles Cross both coming into their own a little bit. Um, on the defensive side of things, we've just let um, my boy Puna Ford go. And then we've got um, Draymond Johnson. Hmm? Has it been picked up, Puna? Uh, not at the minute, no. Big Puna's still going. So hopefully, hopefully, he'll come back to us, but we'll see. Um, so maybe somebody on the defensive line, maybe if that is where Jalen Carter's going to go, or even Will Anderson, he's played on the edge before. There's potential there as well. Um, with the 20th pick, a lot of people have us taking an edge rusher. Although there has been the occasion I've seen us going for a wide receiver, which doesn't make too much sense. But we'll see what happens. Why did you mention earlier? Why did you mention about Wagner, middle linebacker? Why, Wagner being a linebacker? Middle linebacker. You haven't got him anymore, have you? Yeah, we just re-signed him. Have you? Yeah. How have I missed that? Yeah, I did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, probably even longer me. That. I've missed that. No, we re-signed him. Wow. I, I sat there thinking. What thinking, deal? about Bobby Wagner? Fucking hell. But yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's come back. But yeah, we, we are a week away. Um, a lot is going to happen between now and then. Hopefully, there'll be a lot of preceding news that we need to cover before we get stuck into what's going to happen over that weekend. But as we know, lads, it's one of the best weekends of the year. Um, and it is a bank holiday weekend as well, so an absolute bonus. But lads, absolute pleasure as always. Just a quick a one, just talk. a quick one, mate, before we wrap up. I want to quick fire one, one name answer from everybody, seeing as obviously Go. this is going to be the next only video that's coming out before round one. Uh, right. Starting with Aggie, one name. Who's going first overall pick? CJ Stroud. Kempe. Brash Young. Dawson. CJ Stroud. Myself, I'm going to go Bryce Young as well. I think there's apparently been a lot of chatter. 2-2. Two, two. Two, yeah, two. A, a lot of chatter coming out about Bryce Young at the minute. So, uh, Forfeit yeah. for the... Uh, so, Aggie has to go as Peter Wright and I have to go as another darts play. Michael Smith, full spiked up here for darts. Kemp has to go as Van Gerwen and Sam has to go as to be decided. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it because Aggie with air is not worth it, is it? I'll go we'll as fucking we'll... Iceman, mate, with these guns. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. But lads, top class, it's gonna be it's gonna be epic next week, as we know. Draft draft time is always great. But before we go, just quickly break down your weekends for me. I'm gonna go Aggie, then Sam, then Kemp. Aggie, what's plans for the weekend, mate? I am going to be back at work on Saturday doing the running for uh, local Derbyshire teams that are fighting towards the playoffs. I think everybody at the moment that's left to play is either in the playoffs or fighting for the playoffs. Now, Buxton have turned their form around, so that's going to be interesting. And then Sunday, uh, chill. I like it, mate. I like it. Sam, what about you? Unfortunately, mate, not a lot. Obviously, doctor's orders. I've been told I've uh, got to rest up this uh, this weekend. They said they don't want me doing it until at least Monday. So Monday's the day I've been given where they don't want me to do anything. So Kate has got to run shopping on her own tomorrow. So I'm uh, quite happy about that one, I must admit. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a very chilled weekend for me. I'm going to have to watch them calories because I do like going out on my walks, as you know. And I'm, uh, 
Don't want to bang it. Lift them weights, mate, and get them guns pumping. Um, Kempi, big weekend, mate. Travelling to London, as we've discussed. I really, really hope, mate, it is a good trip. And Sunday, you've got a spring in your step, ready and waiting to get back on here to discuss, mate. But uh, have you got anything planned other than that? Or is it a case of enjoy Saturday and then really enjoy Sunday or just be a bit sad and but happy that it happened? Yeah, I think that'll be the case, if I'm honest with you. It'll be enjoying Saturday no matter what. Um, going and enjoying the atmosphere. And like I said, it's always nice to be at Wembley with the Mighty Blades. Um, fingers crossed we can get something from it. I don't think we will. But again, it'll be a nice day out. So got that on Saturday, which will be an enjoyable occasion, as it always is. And then I think I'm going to go for a quick round of golf on Sunday, just to top off the weekend. Ready for the short week and uh, and draft week, baby. Here we go. Fucking up, absolutely. Fucking up them indeed. And uh, the biggest wild card ever if they make it happen. But uh, lads, episode 45 is in the books. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to us on all the channels and places <coughs> listed earlier or at the start of the call. Have a good one, lads. And yet again, up them. <laughs>